This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. I'm Kathy Worthington, welcoming you to our new episode of Late Boomers. Today, our guest is Robert Raymond Riappel, a trainer and speaker who is the author of the book, Success Left a Clue. He travels the world teaching people to tap into their inner greatness. And I'm Mary Elkins. Robert is also an app designer and serial entrepreneur, which we will dive into in our conversation with him. Welcome, Robert. Oh, thank you, ladies. I'm so happy to be here. And I've never had an, an interview where I get tag teamed. This is awesome. Oh, good. <laughs> Tell us about your story growing up and how you went from bankruptcy to financial freedom. Yeah, you know, well, when I was growing up, where I live here in Canada, um, I'm in the middle of Alberta, so central Alberta right now. And I was raised very in the box thinking that when it comes to work, don't you just go find a job that is going to be secure, is going to pay you as much money as possible, whether you like it or not, you do that to take care of your family and work hard and stay loyal. And so when I started working at a young age, that's exactly what I did. But imagine my surprise when at 21, I'm newly married and all of a sudden I'm being laid off from my third job because they're shutting the factory down. And um, uh. ladies, I got to tell you, <laughs> uh, here in Alberta, we have oil. And if oil prices are doing well, our economy does well. But if oil prices are low, we struggle. And in 1989, when I was laid off from that third job, we were in the middle of an oil bust, and I couldn't find a real job. But luckily, my parents, they taught me that you do whatever it takes to support your family. So I started delivering pizzas for a little company called Domino's Pizza, you may have heard of. Yeah. And I started delivering pizzas. And very quickly, I actually started making more money than I was making at my real job. And that's because as I worked hard, I was the old guy in the store. All the other drivers were 16, 17 years old, so they just wanted to party. So I could always say, hey, if you want me to finish your shift tonight, I'll take your shift. And so I started working a lot. And so that helped when my franchisee, he decided to sell his store and buy two stores in a city an hour and a half away. I'm fearful that I'm about to lose my job with a new owner so I said, um, um, you have two stores now, do you need a manager? And he, we talked for a couple hours and he said, okay, you start in two weeks. So I moved to this other city, I started managing. My wife, it took us about a month of her winding down her work and giving her notice. And she'd come up on weekends, we'd find a place to live. And she moved up and then she ended up becoming my assistant manager. And we started doing what we were taught to do, work hard. And we actually started working open to close seven days a week and we did that for just over a year. I'm now qualified to be a franchisee um, because I don't know how much you know about Domino's Pizza, but you can't just buy a franchise. 
The oh, way they grew so well. I didn't well, know that. Yeah, you actually have to successfully manage a store for at least a year, meeting a bunch of criteria. And if you do, then you have the right to be a franchisee where they waive the upfront franchise fee. But you still have to have money to buy or build a store. And so I'm now qualified to be a franchisee. And my franchisee announces he's done. He's not liking Domino's anymore. He's selling his store. And my wife and I go into fear mode because we know what that means. The first people laid off are the managers because the new owners come in and want to do it their way. And so I'm thinking, and I'm saying to my wife, we've got to find, start talking to the other franchisees, see who needs managers, who we can go work for. And my wife looks at me and goes, why don't we just buy the store? And I'm like, uh, hello, we don't have any money. <laughs> That's why we don't buy the store. But I'll tell I you. I like maybe, how she thinks. Yeah. My wife. I will tell you, I would not be where I am today if it was not for my wife. Because left to my own, I'd be in that box, not thinking outside of it. And our running joke is, is that I was innocent until I met my wife. And then she corrupted me in so many good ways. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. she's the one that says, let's think differently. Um, you know, just kind of a little back. My wife and I, we've actually, we met when we were 13. We started dating mm-hmm. when we were 16. We actually got married when we were 19, wow. and we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary two weeks Congratulations. ago. Congratulations. That's Thank a real you. love story, success story. It really is. You have to write that. Yeah. And, well, and one of our and, goals is to write a book together. So it was Domino's that gave you your financial freedom? No, no. Um, Domino's, we, we ended up um, deciding we were going to buy the store, but we didn't have money. So we actually learned. We made a lot of mistakes. We started researching how do you buy a store if you don't have money how do you start a business and in about four months of making a lot of mistakes we ended up finally being able to buy both the stores he had for sale and we did it with 100 percent financing we didn't have to come up with any money of our own and we're franchisees and we're like we've now got it made now here's the interesting part though we knew how to run a store but we didn't know how to run a business Mm. And there's a huge difference there, right? Yeah. And we made a lot of mistakes and we stumbled along. We were franchisees for nine years and we started doing pretty well. But because of our spending habits, we started spending more money than we were earning. And by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we're now over $150,000 in debt and going down quickly. And that's actually when we were introduced to personal development. And we, out of someone sending us in the mail, two tickets to an evening that were worth $39 each. They said, this will change your life. You've got to go. And the only reason my wife and I went is because thank goodness we could not waste $39 tickets. <laughs> and that, and you know, that changed our life because from that evening, here we are, we find ourselves three hours into this training, loving what we're learning. We go running to the bathroom. We put down $600 that we did not have to pay for the three day weekend that the trainer was talking about. And that was in so March of 2001 is when we were at this training. And the training was going to be in June of 2001. The only reason we actually showed up at the training was to get our money back. Hmm. Because we had gone through buyer's remorse. We're now going, we didn't have that money to spend. And we showed up and I was ready. I was ready for a fight. I was ready for them to say, we can't give you a refund. But they had dealt with this before. They knew what was going on in my head. And so the kindest woman in the world, she said, look, there's nothing we can do right now but come in for the morning at lunchtime. I'll come find you. We'll talk about your refund. And I'm like, fine. 
I go up to the vehicle because my wife was still sitting out in our truck. And I said, honey, look, there's no choice. Here's what we've got to do. And she's like, oh. So we go in there and we're like in the back of the room, arms crossed. Well, by the time mm -hmm. we hit lunch, we're now in the energy. We're having fun. The woman comes and finds us. She goes, oh, there you are. She goes, do you want to talk about the refund? And we're like, get away from us. We don't want a refund. <laughs> Too much fun. <laughs> That's fabulous. Oh, and that weekend, we came to own why we were in debt, understand why we handled money the way we did, and learn what to do to get out of debt, and taking and putting into practice. Now, this is a big one for your listeners. See, one of the biggest differences I've learned between people that have success and people that don't is people with success actually take action. And that's why step number three in my book, Success Left a Clue, is you have to take action. So we actually put into action what we had learned. We didn't just sit there and go, that was a nice weekend, put our notes up on the shelf and make it shelf help. We didn't do that. We said, we're going to make a change. And we were able to actually take that knowledge and that change and go from being over $150,000 in debt to actually being retired completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. Mm. Well, what, what can you give us an idea as to one thing that you learned that really helped Absolutely. you? We knew one of the biggest reasons we were in debt is we were all about the instant gratification. We wanted the toys now. We had like our one store was in a lake community. So we had a boat. Now, even though we couldn't use the boat because we were always in the store during busy season, which was boating season, we still had the boat with all the expenses. Mm -hmm. We had two mm -hmm. cars. We were working seven days a week. We were both together. We only need one car, but we had two cars because we're successful. So we had all these toys, all these instant gratifications. And one of the biggest things that um, the trainer hit us with was rich people think long term. Poor people mm -hmm. think short term. And he said, if you want to have financial freedom, be willing to reduce and simplify your life so that you can then learn about passive income because the definition of financial freedom is when passive income, which is money working instead of you, is greater than your expenses. The moment those two pass each other, you are now financially free. And so my wife and I, we sat down and we had long conversations. What are we willing to do to get this financial freedom? And we started dramatically reducing our debts, our expenses, and it not getting rid of them, but saying, okay, we don't need the boat. So we sold the boat, got rid of those expenses. We only need one vehicle. So we sold another, one of the other ones, or one of them got rid of those expenses. And we looked at the things that we didn't, sure we wanted them in that moment, but did we really need them? And we were willing to make those decisions that allowed us today to have the lifestyle that I can have any boat I want really. Mm -hmm. But now if I wanna go boating, we, so we say, okay, are we gonna go ski, water skiing? Or are we gonna go have a barbecue on a, on a pontoon boat? Because now we'll rent the boat that we need for what we wanna do. <laughs> And it's a lot cheaper excellent. than owning the boat. Right? Yes, absolutely. And, and I had a question for you that I know you can answer based on what you're talking about now. And why is it that people can have less knowledge and experience than others, but make more money? Well, that's called being an authority. See, and most people, especially okay. if they're in a job and aren't on an, an entrepreneur, is they go, well, I've got a product or a service or I've got a job and I'll just do enough to get by. But if you learn how to be an authority, which means why are people thinking of you? And there's a lot of practical things that people can do, like what you two amazing ladies are doing with your podcast. 
just by having a podcast or writing a book, it elevates your level of authority. But what I love to do is not just focus on the physical things, the practical things you can do. I love to work on what stops people up in their minds from truly being able to not only get the success, but then to hang on to it and to maintain it. And so I love to dive into those people. Excellent. Great, Great answer. Uh, talking about success, what is your definition of success and your advice on how to get control of it? Yeah, to me, don't just focus on money. Don't just focus on wealth. I am a firm believer that we have to cover the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical, and the financial. Having one success in one area but not the others is not good. Even having success in four of the areas but not one, the one area you don't put your focus on to have success in it as well is going to be the area that's going to sabotage the rest. And I've learned through my ups and downs in life that I choose to have a life where I have a little more balance. And when I talk about balance, some people think balance is like everything's got to be perfect and just like, whoa, look, it's, everything's awesome and just perfect. And that's not my experience of what balance is because we're always changing. We're always going through shifts. So to me, balance is adjusting, adjusting, constantly making the adjustments for what's going on in your life. And that's what keeps you growing because, you know, you mentioned 32 years and I love my wife. And does that mean we've always had the perfect marriage? No, we have our screaming and our yelling and pissed off at each other, but we have our commitment and we know that together we're better. And so we're willing to work through those things when we go out of balance. That's really good advice for anybody. And why do people get overwhelmed and what can be done to overcome that? Yeah, well, uh, and, and you guys, you, both of you have to tell me if you can relate to this. Have you ever okay. set a goal or something you really want to achieve in your life? Yes. Of yes. course. Okay. Yeah. And so what happens is the moment you set that intention, you end up going to the result mm-hmm. a thousand steps ahead of yourself. And you're trying to figure out everything. How am I going to do it? What's it going to look like? How will it work? And we're trying to figure out every um, twist and turn which means you start to get overwhelmed. And so what I love for people to understand is that, and it's from a quote that's so, uh, one of my favorite quotes, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So when people are in overwhelm, it's because they're so far in the present trying to figure it all out, or they're living in the past of what happened to them and poor me and in the victim role. But if they take a deep breath in, they come back to present and they ask themselves, What's one thing I can do right now in this moment to move towards the goal I have? And then take that step, check in with yourself. How am I doing? I'm doing okay. Okay, what's one more step? And then you take that step. And if you do that, you'll find that you're not only less overwhelmed, but you actually start to experience life a lot better. Hmm. Oh, yeah, because you're very much in the moment and checking in with yourself every time. I was just going to say being in the And moment. the other quote that I love is, it's better to travel hopefully than to arrive. Yes. That's, that's Robert Louis Stevenson, I think. Yeah. Because how many times does quote. someone gets to their journey that they thought they were going to like, and then they look back and go, what did I just do for the last five years? Because they were always so focused on where they thought they were going they forgot to enjoy the journey. Yeah, and if you're on the journey and you have hope, it's 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 about it's all about that for me. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, it's, it's, it's all a journey and it's all wonderful. Uh, talking about the emotional part of getting overwhelmed, can you talk about the body-mind connection and how your inner programming influences your success or your failure? Yeah, you know, to me, it all depends on what kind of conversation you're having with yourself on a daily basis. You know, so many people are good at beating themselves up, and I'm going to speak from experience. If I was to ask people, you know, that are listening, raise your hand if you have ever beat yourself up, I've got both hands up and I've got both feet up. Because there's that saying that says, if we had a friend that treated us the way we treat ourselves, they wouldn't be our friend for very long. Hmm. But yet we take it from ourselves. So the first part is having that positive self-talk, encouraging self-talk. Second thing that, because to me, where you, it's universal principles. Where your attention goes, your energy flows and your results show. Meaning, if you're looking at all the negative that's going on in your life, then that's what you're going to attract. That's where your energy is going. That's where you're going to get more up. And so that connection, people get so caught up trying to figure stuff out. And they don't realize that their mind actually has one job. It's one job is to keep you safe, protected, the same, right where you are. It doesn't want you to grow. You know, the saying, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, that's so important to the mind. But what research is now proving, and I'm going to ask it like this, um, have you ladies ever heard the saying, follow your heart or gut feeling? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been around for decades, right? Mm -hmm. And what science has now proved, though, is that the dendrites, the neurons that are in your mind that are making decisions, you actually have more of them in your heart and more of them in your gut than you do in your head. Hmm. And the thing is, is the ones in your heart and your gut are unfettered. They're not being tossed around by, well, what about this? What about that? Whereas your mind has to analyze everything. And so when I talk to people and they say, well, Robert, how do I know if something's right for me? My simple um, suggestion to them is take a deep breath in, bring yourself back to present, and then quiet your mind and ask your heart, how does this feel for me? Because when you ask your heart a question, it will only ever answer one of two ways. It is either going to answer yes, or it's going to answer no. And here's the secret. If it answers yes, trust it. Follow it. Do not second guess it. If it answers no, trust it. Follow it. <laughs> do not second guess it. Because how many times do we go, well, but, uh, but, but, and then we end up messing up because we didn't trust our heart. And I know, ladies, that the question that's going to come from your listeners is going, well, Robert, that all sounds good, but how do I know if it's my head or my heart? If there's any doubt, uncertainty, questioning, fear, that's up here. If it's your heart, it'll either just feel right or it will not feel right. Plain and simple. And it's a practice. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. It's an intuition. Yeah, huh. absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. you have a thing you talk about that I wanted to ask you. What are the four currencies of life? Mm. And I love that you two live in California because you'll understand some of these currencies more than other people. The first oh. currency is the currency that most people are, think of, money. And what mm -hmm. people don't know and what they, I've been learning is that if you have too much money, it's actually called something um, affluenza. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's that you've got that affluent amount of money, but you know you're hitting affluenza when you start doing crazy things with your money. So as an example, I remember an article. I, I love planes because I fly all over the world. 
and I love being on the different jet planes. And I remember when the A380 came out, and that's the double-decker one that has two oh, yeah. decks on it, right? There was a, a prince in UAE somewhere who decided he wanted to own his own A380, and he bought one for a billion dollars, <laughs> and then he spent a hundred million extra re-renovating the inside to be his party plane. Now, that's a great example of affluence having too much money. <laughs> no <right>? kidding. <laughs> it really is. And too little money is called poverty. And of mm -hmm. course, that brings a lot of stress. So what I've learned in my journey is that everybody, and it's different for everybody, everybody has their zone where when they're in that zone, their life is, it's more flowing, it's more easygoing. When they get a little too much extra money, that's when they enter affluenza and they start doing crazy things. If it's, they're on the low end, they start getting stressed out. And so as an example of that, I have friends that by the time they die, they want to be billionaires and good on them. That's what's right for them. But for me, I like my family time. I like being connected with my friends. I love being able to have lots of time off. So as long as I have enough, I don't need millions and millions and millions. But if I have enough coming in and my investment's doing well, where I'm not stressed about money, I don't have to go for ultra wealth. Because, you know, the Egyptians taught us we can't take it with us because someone's just going to come dig it up later and steal it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so that's the first currency of life. The second currency is the one that the two of you, being in California, um, or actually, sorry, I'm, I, I was jumping ahead of myself. The second currency is when we all have the same amount of, which is time. And too much time on your hand is boredom. Too little time on your hand is stress. <laughs> you know? And so as an example, when we entered into COVID, I went from traveling over 200,000 miles a year, like literally on March 10th, 2020, I landed back in Canada for doing a three-day training in India. March 11th, my world changed because I was put into lockdown. All my live events canceled. And so now I had lots of time at home, which is one of my goals anyway. And I found I became more busy because of, you know, two words. And remind me later, I'll tell you the two most, power, um, two most powerful words for a person who gets stuck, how to get unstuck. And my wife and I, we played the victim a little bit. But then we realized, nope, there's a new direction we can reinvent. And all of a sudden, I was busier than when I was traveling around the world. And it always blew me away when I'd be hearing from someone going, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. And I'm like, come over here. I'll give you lots to do. Right? So <laughs> yeah. when it comes to the currency of time, again, you hit that zone. Mm -hmm. If I can get going and be too busy, and that doesn't do me any good, I like my time off. And thank goodness my wife will, she's like when I started reinventing, I was pulling 16, 17 hour days. And my wife noticed that it was starting to really put me towards burnout. And so she just implemented two little changes. She said at lunchtime, 12 o'clock, the phones go down. We don't look at them. We eat lunch. We play cards. And then at dinner time, the phones go down. We don't look at them. We watch TV while we eat dinner. And just introducing those two little breaks made all the difference in the world. Hmm. Oh. So time is a second currency, okay? Yeah. The third currency is a currency of fame. That's what California people hear a lot about, right? Because <laughs> everybody wants to go to California and be famous. Yeah. Well, especially with social media today. Look at how many people are looking for their video to go viral, their five, 15 minutes of fame. And so 
we've seen that fame ruins lives if you don't know how to handle it. And when it came comes to the currency of fame, uh, I probably one of the greatest lessons I had came from watching an interview that was done with Jennifer Lopez. And the inter person interviewing her said, look, you are a powerhouse, singer, dancer, actress. You're just like, you're, you've got it going on. But you, we also know you have a powerful family life. How do you balance the two out? And her answer just floored me and blew me away. She said, when I'm on stage or when I'm acting, I'm J-Lo. That's who I am. When I'm home, I'm just Jennifer Lopez to my family. And I was able to re relate because when I'm traveling around the world in front of hundreds and thousands of students, I'm Robert Raymond Riopelle. And I have assistants that are taking care of everything. But when I'm home, I'm just Robert or Rob. And my wife and I are running joke is, I'll come home from overseas and she'll look at me and she'll go, honey, you're home, no more assistants here, go take out the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife, you know, is a genius. You know that, right? Is. Yes, she oh, is. Yeah. Hello, hello. Of course I know that. That's one thing my one brain cell was smart enough to figure out. And, and it is, it keeps me grounded because it would be easy for me to go into my ego and go, oh, look how amazing I am. No, I'm just a 52-year-old aerodynamic guy that, <laughs> you know, a little overweight that just likes to have fun in life. It doesn't make me any better or any worse than anybody else. I'm just me, plain and simple. And so what's the fourth currency. currency? The fourth currency is the one I'm absolutely passionate about for my life right now, experience. The currency of experience. Because how many people go through life being in the future and not being present? So when I do my trainings, I make them very experiential. Um, with our new training center that we've built onto our house here, it will be experiential masterminds, not just masterminds, experiential. And so it's the currency of experience is about, you know, I'm a big believer in, in vision boards and, and dream boards. What about you two? Do you believe in vision boards and dream boards? I do. And I need to get on that now and make a new one. I, I do right? too. I haven't made one Look. in several years. And I, I need, a, I need a, a more concise, I know what it needs to be now. Yeah. Well, and here's a, what I'm going to, it's a, something to, friend of mine um, really shared with me about the um, experience yeah, currency is when he was coaching one of his clients, he asked him because he has them do up vision boards and he noticed he had a beautiful Lamborghini on his. And he said, now, why do you want a Lamborghini? He's like, oh my goodness. He could tell you all the specs about them, what they could do zero 60, why they're amazing. He knew everything about them. And my friend said, have you ever drove one? Have you ever ridden in one? He's like, no, why? He says, how do you know you truly want it if you've never experienced it? Maybe you're chasing the wrong thing. He said, so before our next call, I want you to go to a dealership or a place that you can rent one, and I want you to drive one. I want you to really see what the experience is. And he said, well, you do that. And his client said, absolutely. So his client on the next call, he says, so how'd it go? And he says, don't want a Lamborghini anymore. Mm -hmm. And he says, and why is that? He says, I'm six foot three and getting in yeah. and out Oh my goodness, that just was painful. And he said, <laughs> exactly. He says, so what are you going to do? He says, well, now I'm going to experience any car I think I want. I'm going to experience it to see if it's what I truly want. Because this is what happens to most people, um, ladies, is that they think they want something. And if they ever achieve it, again, all of a sudden it's like, oh, it wasn't quite as exciting as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And they spent however many days, months, years 
thinking they wanted it, but not experiencing what was going on in their day-to-day life. So those are the four currencies. It's great. And also, what are the four phases of life that people constantly go through? Does that kind of go with that? Well, they tie together really well. And I use the acronym OPEN. And I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Um, I didn't come up with this. A friend of mine who I call the quantum monk, he was actually a monk for eight years, over 15,000 hours of meditation. But he also studies quantum physics. And so he can tell you about spirituality and back it up with science. He's, he's brilliant. When he was doing this research, he, it wasn't his passion, but he ended up coming up with some amazing stuff. And I'm like, great, that, the world needs to hear this. So if you're not going to teach it, may I? And he's like, Robert, absolutely. So we've spent hours on Zoom where I've been diving in deep to make sure I have his full understanding. What did he get mean by it and all that? And so he called it his chaos modules. And I've turned it into the four phases of life. And he loved that I came up with the acronym OPEN because this is what it actually allows people to do. Have you um, ever been something been going really, really well for you? And it seems like all of a sudden a brick wall is thrown up in front of you and it just stopped you dead in your track. Has that ever happened? Yeah. Probably has. I'd have to think hard. Yeah. It's, it's... Yeah. And it, it's, that's when chaos get, enters your life. And most people resist chaos. They, they don't like chaos. But chaos is something to embrace because we were meant to evolve. As human beings, we're meant to evolve. And chaos is how the universe gets us to evolve to the next level. So the O stands for the observation phase. This is when, if you've heard the saying, I'm a human being, not a human doing. Well, in the observation phase, you're a human creating. This is the time to meditate. This is the time to dream. This is the time to create the vision boards. What do I really want? Not trying to figure out how it's going to happen, but this in this space, you get very present and you just say, what would I love? What would I absolutely love? And you observe. And think of it like this. Maybe you, um, you notice, uh, uh, um, say as a guy, maybe you notice a, a young lady and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I want to know everything about her. I want to know what she likes, what she doesn't like, where she likes to go for dinner. You're in that observation phase and you're very curious. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then the P stands for the pamper phase. Now, what I'm going to tell you is this is the phase that most entrepreneurs don't do, and this is why they sabotage their success. In the pamper phase, this is where you are a human being. This is a time you take care of you. This is a time that you go on a holiday, or if you can't go on a holiday, if you enter this phase, you plan a holiday or you go get your nails done or your hair done, or you go for a massage, or it could be something as simple as I like to read. I take 20 minutes to sit down and read because most, you cannot give what you don't have. And most entrepreneurs never give themselves a chance to actually regenerate. Mm. They never pamper themselves. This stage is so critical. And this is one of the guilty pleasures or reasons my students, they say to me all the time, Robert, why do you fly halfway around the world and get on a plane for 10, 12, 14, 16 hours? And and the main reason is I love to teach people all over the world. But the other reason is the moment I get on the plane and I sit in my seat, that's my time. This is my pamper time. I don't connect to Wi-Fi. I read. I watch movies because I love movies. I eat good food and I drink good wine. This is my time for me. Because I know when I land, 
I'm about to go into the third phase where I'm going to be on stage for 12 plus hours a day for three days straight. And if I don't take care of me, I can't take care of my students. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's slightly brilliant. The the E stands for energy phase. This is when you are the human doing. This is when you're doing meetings, you're creating documents, you're having um, emails go out. This is where you get focused and you get the work done. And so in the energy phase, this is why the pamper phase is so critical. Because when I enter an energy phase, I can put in an 18-hour day sometimes because of the different time zones I deal with. And so I can embrace it and be very productive for that whole day because I've taken care of myself in the pamper phase. Hmm. The energy phase is where you just get it done. Get it done. Go in and just be focused. And don't, and here's a, here's a distinction. Don't be busy because people are really good at being busy. Get good at being productive during that energy phase. So I will actually have what I call focus time, where it's like from 11 to 12, I'm going to be working on writing my book, nothing else. Hmm. No emails, no phone calls. My wife knows not to come down to the office because in that hour and in that hour of focus time, I can do as much as eight hours of other people's normal busy time. And that then frees up a lot more time for me to have time off because I like my time off. So the energy phase is powerful. And then the fourth phase, now this one, because I was using an acronym, the first letter is not actually an N. That's the second letter, but I needed an N for my open. And it is the phase is called unclutter. Unclutter uh, phase. Unclutter. Very good. Yeah. Sounds like And an another N. word for that, it right? Yeah. Yeah. And then another way of saying that, this is the chaos phase. And so what the unclutter, the reason I call it that is because Chaos comes into our life, and people, again, they resist it. They fight against it. But if they were to embrace it, courageously embrace chaos, then you can evolve and go back into the observation phase. Now, the reason I call it unclutter is because in this phase, you actually destroy something. You destroy something that's not working in your life. Now, it might be a business or a personal relationship. It might be that you want a new vehicle and your old vehicle has been breaking down, but you just haven't sold it yet or let it go. So you've got to be willing to let it go to get the new vehicle. And what's brilliant about this phase is you actually can volunteer. Now get this, you can volunteer to cooperate with chaos. And the way you do that, and again, it's why I call it unclutter, is you show the universe that, you know what? I'm gonna destroy things periodically just to show that I don't need a big chaotic lesson. And it might be as simple as you go to your fridge, you open it up and you're like, hmm, time to clean out the fridge. There's some food in here that probably should have gone out a long time ago and you unclutter it. Or I'll walk into my office and I'll go every couple of weeks, I'll go, you know what? My papers have been stacking up, time to unclutter. So I'm showing, and it, it takes courage, it really does, to be willing to destroy something. And probably the most important thing that holds people back that they can destroy in this phase is a belief that has not been serving them. Because mm. how often do we hang on to a belief so tight? It's gotta be right, I'm right. And so in this phase, you, let, you find a belief that has not been serving you and you destroy it. And you destroy it by disproving it some way. You find someone, a mentor or someone to help you disprove it. Because the quicker you go through the chaos phase, now you go back into that observation phase and can even dream of bigger things. 
And what my friend said that I love is this. He said, instead of living life courageously, courageously allow life to live you. Love it. That is wonderful. And I am in my unclutter stage. So uh, thank you for that. And on another note, or the same note, you wrote a book called Success Left a Clue, as we mentioned. And some of your teaching is about clues. Can you tell us about writing it and give us, give us some idea of what we can find in the book? And can you give us a couple of ideas of what your clues might be? I absolutely can. And I, I love that you asked this, Mary, because you had been talking about you're writing your book. And what did you call it when you said you were writing your book? How did you describe it? Uh, I'm, I don't remember. <laughs> Do you, you, you remember? Yeah, you said something like, I'm slowly writing my book. Oh, I did say that, yes. Yeah. Um, My first book, Success Left a Clue, I first thought of writing it in 2002, and it took me 15 years to write it. That doesn't make, I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) And and I called it a procrastination write, and because I had a lot of learning lessons, but I'm also a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And, And I love something a mentor of mine said. He said, writing is rewriting. In 2009, I had it written, I had the manuscript, but I didn't put it out. And then when I finally got my butting gear and said, now it's time, and I went back and I grabbed the manuscript out, I ended up actually, because of who I had become in those years, since I rewrote half the book. Yeah. And so um, it took me 17 years to write it. And when I put it out, what it does is it was what I needed in my life at the time. So I go through six um, different strategies Six steps that anybody, if they do these steps, it actually will help them have the life of their dreams. And the book is not a book that you read. A book is a a workbook. I designed it specifically where I put in action steps. And when the action step comes up, I say, do not read any further until you do this action. And then the very beginning of the next chapter, it says, if you did not do the action, stop reading now, go back (laughs) and do the action. (laughs) And what would the action be? Whatever it is, like step number three in the book is take action. So I'll give an action step around some actions to take. Step one, dream big. So I have people create a vision board before they go on to step two. And so it's the six steps that if people walk through, it will help them have greater sense of who they are, really what they're passionate about. And the clues I go through are things like one of the biggest clues. And the reason on the front of the cover, I have my hands up in front of me um, with my fingers and my thumb together is because I'm known on stage for giving people clues and i'll actually have my whole audience i'll say would you guys like a clue and they're like yeah and i'm like you know how to do it so they all put their hands up and they go give us a clue and they do it with the deep voice and we have a lot of fun with it oh, oh give one us one clues. clue yeah. oh no see both of you got to do it it's got to be okay and give us one clue. clue oh you two are so good i love it i love it well one of the things i noticed why people struggle is they see a system and they don't follow the system. They reinvent it. They've got to do it their way. And we could go down a rabbit hole why that is. But so my clue is this. If you want to reinvent the wheel, do it later. Do it later. (laughs) Get successful first. Use the system. Get the success. Once you're successful, if you still want to reinvent the wheel, then you can do it because now at least you're successful. Yeah. But what most people do. They try to reinvent it right away, and then they wonder why they get frustrated and why they struggle. 
And you've traveled all over the world doing this. So what would you say you've learned from meeting people from different cultures and ways of thought? Mm, just how to be more compassionate hmm. and more open. I grew up in a, in a, well, you've heard the term probably redneck, where mm -hmm. I grew up very redneck way of thinking. And I had never thought of even traveling outside of, you know, my city and my town. And until I became a trainer, I had never traveled outside of North America. So all of a sudden now I'm traveling around the world and I'm realizing that we are no different than anybody else. No matter what your upbringing is, we all still have crap up here in our heads that holds us back. Beliefs that don't support us. We go through the same struggles. Um, when I started teaching financial freedom in Asia, the first part, I thought, well, these guys aren't going to need to worry about this. And it's like, oh, they're just as bad as dead as we are. They have the same struggles. I even did a training in um, the name of the... Not do Brunei in Brunei, a very sovereign country run by a king. It is the second longest ruler after Queen Elizabeth and in the world. And in this country of about 450,000 people, they pay no taxes. There's no taxes on anything except for a road toll. That's it. And so their health care is taken care of. They pay no taxes. And so I walked in, I'm thinking, wow, what am I going to be able to teach these guys about, you know, financial success? And what I came to realize very quickly in the training is they were financially worse off than most people in other parts of the world. Because with everything being handed to them, they never learned how to value money, how to mm. really get it working for them. So they learned to be dependent on their country to support them. And so we had bigger breakthroughs because all of a sudden they were going through worse stress than a lot of the places I've taught. So my preconceived notions of what I thought people were, it taught me to be just open really get to know the different cultures, see the beauty in the different cultures. So I feel it makes me a better person just by experience that world travel. Yeah, oh, that's, that's true. And talking about compassion, as you mentioned that, what's your advice to people who lost their jobs during COVID who may not want to go back to the, the same jobs and also to people planning or entering their third acts who want to start something new? Yeah. Those two words I was mentioning before to remind me of, and you yes. just did. The two powerful words, what's next? <laughs> what's next? Look, I went from traveling around the world to now being at home. So once I got out of being in that victim role for a couple of weeks, my wife and I sat down and said, okay, what's next? Well, we've been wanting to build our training center. Let's start building it, your home, and let's you know slow you down even more and have students come see us. And so now outside my, I'm a week away, from a 1500 square foot built, um, training center being complete and being able to now, as we open up, my students will come travel from around the world to see me and work with me instead of me having to travel all over the world. It's a very good solution. Yeah, yep. and, and, and it can be used for everything because people will go, but you don't know my life, Robert. How can you say that? And I'll say, look, have the courage again, courageously allow life to live you. Everybody, or not everybody, but, most people believe the saying that everything happens for a reason. Have, do you ladies believe that? Yes. Okay. And did you know that's not the complete statement? No. What's the complete statement? See, and that's the, that's the point right there. Is most people hear that and they go, oh, okay. But they've never heard the full statement, which is everything happens for a reason. And that reason is there to serve me. And so what that means is that everything happens for a reason. That reason is there to serve me. If you understand that there's a lesson then, it puts you into curiosity. Mm -hmm. And when you're in curiosity, 
Now asking those, that, that question of what's next, and, and look, some lessons won't come right away for people. It may be years down the road, and all of a sudden you go, wow, that's why that happened. Mm-hmm. That's true. So happens all the time. Have to, that's right. So, but when you have that curiosity, all of a sudden now it opens you up into more creativity so that you can sit there and go, okay, COVID came in. I've lost my job. What's next? Well, then I'd follow it up of what do I really want to do? See, most people do what they think they have to do and don't have the courage to actually do what they really want to do. I love helping students find their passion, tap into it, and then learn how to make money doing what they love so that when they wake up in the morning, they're not going, oh, I don't want to go to work today. They wake up going, yes, <laughs> another day. Yeah. That's yeah. the difference. That's yeah. excellent. And I was going to ask you a question about chaos. And I think you may have covered most of this, but I, I'm going to ask it anyway, because it's still good to go over it. Why is chaos not only normal, but critical in life? And how yeah. do you utilize it? Well, understanding that we are meant to evolve. And you can either allow life to kick you in the ass, because if you notice, life will send you lessons. And if you don't listen to them, it sends it to you again, but harder right? That's chaos. Because if we're not evolving, it's going to say, come on. Most people get used to being stagnant, stuck in their comfort zone. And chaos is meant to grow you bigger. And so by embracing it and saying, okay, it's normal, it's natural, not why is it happening to me, but okay, why is this happening to me? Now notice, same question, but two different energies of looking at it. Yeah, That's where chaos can actually work for you. And when you embrace it, you will be blown away on how easily you can flow with it. And it just becomes a little speed bump instead of a brick wall in front of you. Hmm. Going back to the acronym, that's why I use the word open is because now it's like saying open sesame and you can open that brick wall up. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. Um, And talking about something that interests both of us, why tell us about how meditation has helped you. Well, I'll tell you, my Zen teacher who I was introduced to back in 2002, amazing woman out of Mount Shasta, California. Mm-hmm. My mentor brought her to us, and I was blessed to do a four-day Zen retreat with her, uh, four days of meditation. And I'm going to let you know, ladies, I did not believe in that stuff. I did mm-hmm. not, you know, I was like, that was too woo-woo. Oh, my, you know, that's just for people in California. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was just, it, I, I just because I was in such a box. And so as we're going through these four days, my life was just transforming in front of my eyes, being present, you know, um, just uh, awareness of what's around me, awareness of every um, taste going in my mouth when I'm eating, having that being very conscious. But there was a a nagging feeling that was always on in my head. And then at night we could ask questions. And one night a woman in the group asked a question that I had been, you know, stressing about. She said, Sherry, she said, being here, meditating is so easy. But when I get back home in my busy life, there's no way I have time to take 20 minutes, sit down, cross my legs and go, oh, you know, and she's, you know, being facetious about it. And I love what Sherry said. Sherry looked at her and she said, dear, she said, meditation is simply nothing more than being present. So in your day-to-day life, if you're absolutely present doing something, whatever it is, you're actually meditating. So if you're driving your car and you don't have the music on, you're not putting lipstick on, you're not eating, but you're actually present driving your car and aware of what's going on around you, you're meditating. And I went, 
that's life-changing because the way I put it into my life now is when I'm on stage, even if I'm in front of thousands of people, if I'm talking to one student, I'm connected to that student. I'm present with them. I'm aware of everything, but I'm present with them. So I'm now practicing my meditation. And so for me, my goal is to see how much I can meditate every single day in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so you had a different mindset when you went in to that meditation session versus when oh, you yeah. came out. How does someone change their mindset so quickly? Uh, the proof is in the pudding. Mm -hmm. I, I, she asked us to be open and to just give it a try and see, you know, and so I was open to it. And when, after the four days, I was just thoroughly blown away. And it just, it, it was like, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a quick eater. So having the mindful eating was a big deal for me. <laughs> oh, good. And, yeah. and also I wanted to ask you, what is your mission statement now for yourself and your vision for your own future? Yeah, my mission is to guide and assist individuals in not only identifying, but living their purpose with passion. Mm. That's what I absolutely love to do. And for me, it's about having those experiential where people come to share my beautiful home and learn because I love training trainers and the more um, successful I can help them be, it's because they've helped more people. And because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I believe in that universal principle, you will be paid in direct proportion to the value you give. And so if I can help people help more people and become successful that way, then yeah. I've, I've done my job. Yeah. It's like Paul McCartney's statement or singing the song where he says, the love you give is equal to the love you make. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about social media? What are your thoughts on it? Well, <laughs> uh, there's a whole different rabbit hole we could go down there. But, um, <laughs> I, am, I do have a hard stop coming up. But I will say, if you haven't watched Social Dilemma, watch it. Oh, but watch it with yes. different eyes. Watch it with different eyes. See, because people are going in and they're going, how dare they? They're tracking everything. They're seeing how slow I look at or long I look at a picture. How dare they do that? But if you really take a look at it, it's actually the greatest example of law of attraction in the world. Because the moment you, you want to change your feed, you could go in, and we've proved this, me and a friend who really researched this. You could go in, and if you just start focusing on what you like, and instead of just liking it, giving it a heart, instantly your feed will start changing to give you more of that. You can actually take the um, algorithm and get it to actually bring more of what you want to you. It's perfect for law of attraction. That's the easy part because people go, how quickly can I do that? Instant. Mm -hmm. The hard part is maintaining. Yeah. Maintaining and not being distracted and going back to, if you want to know why what's on your feed, any negatives there, it's because you've given it your attention. If you want to know why you're getting these ads for these things, you're like, I don't like that. It's because you paid attention to it, good, bad, or otherwise. And so it's giving you more of that. So start mm -hmm. changing your focus to what you want and watch how your feed will give you more of that. Mm-hmm. Good tip. Yep. Thank and you. For our listeners, our guest today on Late Boomers has been Robert Raymond Riopel, author of Success Left a Clue. You can go to his website, successleftaclue.com or robertriopel.com and sign up for a free download for our listeners today for listening to this podcast of the ebook version of Success Left a Clue. I can't wait to do that myself. Me too. You, you can also find Robert on Facebook, on his fan page, 
Instagram at rrriopel, that's R-I-R-R-R-I-O-P-E-L, LinkedIn, and have I left anything else out? I think you've got them. Thanks so much for being here, Robert. Uh, there's so much more I'd love to ask you. I hope you'll come back. You invite, I will be there. I love your energy and the way you two work together. Thank you. Thank and we you. ask our listeners to give us some feedback by visiting our website, lateboomers.biz, which is B-I-Z, and hitting that contact button. Follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and on our Late Boomers Instagram. We aim to serve, entertain, and inspire you. Thanks again, Robert. Yes, thank, oh, thank you. Thank you, ladies. My pleasure. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers, eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.